Hey, beautiful mama, and welcome to Bell and Beyond. I'm your podcast host, Katie, a mama of one little legend, Hunter, and we have been on the most wild health journey ever. My son was born and diagnosed with a cleft lip, and I want to share with you how I was empowered through it all. This podcast is for mums or soon-to-be mums and dads. Feel free to jump in too. It's a place to debunk the many motherhood myths that leave us feeling confused, lost, and misguided. I want you, Mama, to walk away from every episode feeling empowered and educated to make choices that feel right for you and your family. My heart is to see mamas connecting back to their roots and being exposed to ancient wisdom with modern day education. I'll be bringing you open and real conversations around topics we are not talking about enough with people passionate about seeing you, Mama, thrive from the belly and beyond. Welcome back to another episode of Bell and Beyond. I'm really excited for you to hear from Courtney today. She's just beautiful. Courtney and I connected over, of course, social media, one of the best places to meet people. And I just absolutely loved everything about her Instagram page and everything that she's about. And you can go and find her over on Mama, M-A-M-A, link L-A-N-C. And she will be such a wealth of knowledge and guidance. So she's a mama to two energetic boys, a neonatal nurse, certified lactation consultant, and a qualified pediatric sleep consultant. Being a busy mom and also experiencing the birth of two little ones, she knows exactly what it feels like to come home from the hospital and just not feel great about everything, to feel a little bit worried, a little bit out of your depth, and also to feel not educated in the areas of your first experience breastfeeding and also sleep. And I don't like the word training, but just experience around sleep and sleep for your children. Now, I'm really excited to hear from Courtney because Courtney actually works in NICU. So she's a nurse, especially for the NICU department. And personally, I have experienced NICU, not for anything particularly life-threatening with my son, but it was still an experience. And the nurses that are in NICU are so special. It's like family in there, which you'll hear Courtney mention in this week's episode. So I'm really excited for her to share with us more about her experience as a NICU nurse, as well as what it's like for these families that do end up going into NICU for an array of reasons, but one particularly can often be premature bubbers and what mamas go through, not only in terms of like their emotional roller coaster when they have a preemie baby, but also what it's like practically with lactating and what that first latch can be like and the fact that pumping is a really great option in the interim while the bub is growing. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. You may not have ever had a preemie baby and you might think, oh, I don't know if I need to know this, but can you hang on there and just take the time to learn and receive because you never know what friends might be in this situation or that could be the situation for you up ahead and it's just so good to be empowered but also to have the empathy and grace for what these mums go through and honestly a mum that spends two days in NICU or five weeks in NICU or four months in NICU honestly are my heroes because it is not an easy journey and it's not an easy initiation into motherhood at all so please enjoy I know you're gonna love Courtney. I have the wonderful Courtney here today, who is a beautiful registered nurse who spent some time in NICU, and I'm excited to have her on to talk a little bit more about breastfeeding and what it's like to be a mom with a baby in NICU and the introduction to breastfeeding. So welcome, Courtney. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a top mama tip. Yeah, sure. So my name is Courtney, as Caitlin just said. So I am a NICU nurse. I've been a NICU nurse now for, oh my gosh, I think I'm on 10 years. It's been a long time. (laughs) So I've been in the NICU for 10 years. I'm a mom to two boys of myself, and I'm also a certified lactation consultant and sleep consultant. So I have been doing this for a long time. I love helping families within the NICU, outside the NICU, building that relationship with their little one. And I think my biggest tip my biggest mama tip would be to be kind to yourself. You are doing a fantastic job and I know it's hard. I know you have bad days and it's okay to have bad days. It's part of it. I have bad days. Even me as a mother with two, I have bad days where I break down and cry or I reach for a chocolate bar. We all have bad days. So it's good to be kind to yourself because you are everything your baby needs and you're doing an amazing and fantastic job. It's so true. We're so hard on ourselves, and I guess that's why the whole term mom guilt came yes. around because 
we're like our biggest worst critic and no other mom ever thinks anything about us like we think about ourselves so you're so right just take a load off and just be have fun I love that so much yes okay well I would love you to tell us a little bit about your experience and your role as a nurse particularly in NICU I know you're working casually now so it's not your full-time gig we're going to hear a little bit more about that but I just think it'd be really great to just kind of create a bit more awareness about what it's like for mums that have got a baby in NICU and there's a lot of different reasons why they could be there just so we can help other mums understand and have a bit more empathy and understanding. Yeah, I think it's great because the NICU is a completely different world. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you're a neonatal ICU nurse. That must be really sad. And, you know, and yes, don't get me wrong. We do have some sad times, but honestly, it is one of the happiest places I've worked. Like I've done cardiovascular ICU. I've done community health nurse. I've done a few things. And NICU has been one of my favorites why I've stayed in it for so long because these little babies are such fighters like I've never seen so much resilience in a tiny being before than I have in the NICU and like it just blows me away sometimes what these babies do like they may get a 24 weeker and just fight 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 and come out the other end growing like a weed happy loving life family out of the park playing and it's just I don't think you could get a happier place besides maybe <laughs> being a midwife and birthing the babies, which can be very happy. But I think the NICU is just as much so the same because these babies just, they're such fighters. Like I have so much admiration for these little babies and these families because these families go through a lot. Like, unfortunately, sometimes our pregnancies don't go to plan and that's normal. That's very, very normal. And sometimes these babies come early and perhaps that may be 24 weeks or 30 weeks or 32 weeks. And at each stage of that time frame I just mentioned, there's different things that a baby has to battle, whether it's breathing or heart issues or growth and development, like there's so many things. And I think that these families sit there day after day after day for months. And as a nurse, we're not there just as a nurse to look after their baby. We talk with these parents on a day-to-day basis. We get to know these people. Like, I can't tell you how many people I've bonded with through the NICU because these families have been there for weeks on end or even families have been there for just like two weeks. You just really get to know them because while they're in there, they go through, I like to call it the seven steps of grieving almost because You're grieving your pregnancy, the early birth, and then you just go through all these stages and you need time to digest everything. So we're kind of like a little bit of a social worker talking to you, telling you what's going on, reassuring you. And I just love the connection you make. It's really like a big family. Honestly, the NICU is like a big, massive family. And I just loved that. And while I was before I even got into NICU, actually, so I was lucky enough in my nursing career and my nursing study, sorry, in my fourth year to get a spot in a special care nursery. And I knew instantly when I went there, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is where I want to be. And I saw all these moms breastfeeding. And I'm like, oh man, I need to learn more about breastfeeding. So I knew instantly then that I wanted to be a NICU nurse. I want to get certified in my lactation consultant. And literally within a few years, I was certified after all the hours of studying and learning. I knew that's what I want to do because breastfeeding, learning how to breastfeed and understanding it, I could help so many more families with it. So that was a huge thing for me was trying to learn these things to help these moms because with these little ones, like breastfeeding is not, it's not like it is for a full-term baby and even a full-term baby can have issues. Let's not deny that either. So it's just, yeah, sorry. I love the NICU. I just can't talk more highly about it because I've been a senior nurse, so I've worked my way up, obviously, after being there for 10 long years. That's a decade. Oh, my goodness. That's a decade. So with that 10 years now, I was a senior nurse, and I would um, get the pager. So I always meant that I would run to codes and stuff like that. So if a baby was born and was really sick or needed a lot of help, I would be a nurse that would go to that or help with that. I was training nurses, which I also love doing. But then I think my favorite thing was probably when I became the lead nurse in the special care nursery area. So it's called level one. And these are the babies that are transitioning home. 
and there's usually 10 babies in there. And I loved it on a daily basis. We used to do education. We used to talk about things like burping, bathing, and you show the parents these things. And I thrived in that area. I loved connecting even more so on that basis and helping parents prepare for what it's like at home, which is what led me to create Mama Link and all the things I'm doing now. But it was, I will never forget my experience. And that's why I'm still a casual nurse in the NICU because I love it so much. I just, I couldn't give it up. I couldn't give it up. Wow. That's seriously so incredible. And from my experience of being a mom with a baby in NICU, even though it was not life-threatening, the people in there want to be in there. Like they, I think if I can say this kindly, there is a lot of nurses out there and they're kind of just turning up to make money. Like they have got to that point where they probably don't want to be there anymore or there's just a lot of tension being there. But I feel like midwives and NICU nurses, like I feel like you genuinely have this heart and passion to turn up to your job and serve, like really want to see moms thrive. I think you have to have a love and a passion to be in that role because it, it is very emotional. There's a lot of emotion. Oh, yeah. Like, and you're talking about a new mom with huge hormones <laughs> raging yeah. with an instinct to protect and they will oh, kill yeah. in doing so. Mm-hmm. And I loved what you mentioned about survival and I think it just proves that we are born to overcome and survive and we have so much strength within us before we're even consciously aware of that or even tangibly able to accept what danger is. We instinctively know to, to keep alive every single day like, mentally like for me is such an encouragement if a baby can do that what more can we do like as grown adults so yeah I I think that you guys are absolutely incredible and I remember feeling like family when I was in NICU Mm -hmm. and thinking this place is special there's like a different aroma in the air when you're here and and all the parents want to support each other and you're all there for the same reason and you all show kindness and this deep kind of love and awareness for other people you kind of smile at the mum next to you and just kind of give her a look like you're doing okay you know like mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it was a, was a very amazing um environment well thank you so much that is just firstly so insightful and so encouraging because having a baby is already a massive roller coaster and yeah <laughs> yes. you you actually become what I was thinking when you're saying is you actually become an anchor for parents. Like they actually yeah. anchor into you because there's nothing else around them to, to basically anchor into and you end up becoming like literally their support network yeah. aside from their family that they have hope by being there. So it's a very big responsibility. It actually. is, it is. <laughs> and you're right, but it's beautiful. Yes, exactly. And I think there are certain nurses that work in certain areas and you can definitely tell with Mickey nurses. They're or different, <laughs> but so are PICU nurses or emergency nurses. Every nurse is very different, but I think NICU nurses are just maybe, maybe a little bit more lovey-dovey, maybe. <laughs> what is it? All the oxytocin? <laughs> yeah, everyone's pumping oxytocin through the air drafts <laughs> coming through. <laughs> air I love it. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit what it's like. I mean, I personally haven't had a, a baby. Um, premie baby but from what I understand you know depending on the different situation that's going on there could be an incubator or you you might not be able to hold them you might be able to hold them they might be fed in different ways and I'm assuming that they're so small that latching wouldn't be possible in basically most situations Um, so how do you guide a mum through that yep. what are some of the steps or what some of the support that a mum goes through with feeding yeah so first thing we talk, do and talk about is pumping because that is so important to help with your milk supply and it is crucial to be honest because if you're not draining the milk so how a breast works is you have to drain milk to signal the hormones to make more milk so if you're not draining the milk you're not creating milk and your body's like okay i don't need this anymore so stop producing it so then you don't get your supply in and keep it up. So this is why it's so important when moms have these premature babies to get on the pump. But let's be honest about the pump. The pump is annoying. It, eh, 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 eh. You feel like a dairy cow. It's horrible. It's not enjoyable at all. And so I always warn moms about that. And I'm always like, you know what? What I want you to do is I want you to take pictures of your little one and little videos. So when you're pumping, you watch that. It's like, or I want you to get the pump and pump right beside your baby while you're touching them 
or while you're holding them, if we can do that. That's very dependent if the baby can be cuddled for long periods in that. So with that, when you're touching your baby and holding your baby, that oxytocin is pumping and that's going to help with your milk supply. It's going to help with those hormones and get that letdown pump. So it's really important for moms to know that yes, pumping bloody sucks. It sucks, but it does just become like second nature and it does help your baby so much. And you get to see the rewards. Like by pumping, you actually literally get to see it when you're just breastfeeding. You're like, Oh, I think they got enough. I don't know. I can't tell. There's nothing, there's nothing on my boob telling me I gave them, you know, a hundred mils, 20 mils. There's nothing there. But when you're pumping, you can see the gradual increase from when they're first born to you getting only like five mils, 10 mils to then getting 20, 50, 80, a hundred, you know, like it's a huge celebration. And we celebrate with moms that because that is a huge, huge effort to do that. And it takes time. And I always tell moms that, you know, don't be hard on yourself. Take it easy. Have those pictures nearby, especially when you're at home, because that's the hard part. You have to leave your baby. You don't get to take them home with you. And it can be so, so hard and emotionally, physically exhausting. And I feel for these moms. And, you know, like when you're at home, have those videos like I'm talking about. Have those pictures. Post them up around where your pump is. And Focus on that while you're pumping. And nowadays, which I love, is NICUs. Now some of them have cameras right above the isolate. So you can actually check on your baby whenever you're up pumping and watch your baby while you pump. Now, not all NICUs have this, but some of them are starting to get them in more and more and more. And I think it's fantastic because then these parents can always see their baby, check on them, just like us checking on a baby monitor at night. It's the same thing, and it just gives you that reassurance, and this can really help moms with pumping. And with pumping, mamas, make sure that you are getting the correct fit. If you're not getting the correct fit, you're not going to be draining that breast enough, or fully as well, but also too, it can be hurting, and we don't want it to hurt because then you're not going to get the milk that you want or need. So make sure that you're measuring properly and that you have a good pump. And you're changing your parts frequently because this is one thing that we don't talk about a lot is that we don't tell people to change the pumping parts enough. If you don't change them frequently, especially if you're pumping six, eight times a day, you need to be changing your pumping parts every week or two. So that's like the flange that you get inside. You need to be changing that. And the tubing, like there's so many things that need to be changing and we don't talk about that enough. So I actually have a post on this, but it's really important to be changing your pumping parts because then it will effectively draw the milk out. And when you say changing the pumping parts, do you mean like literally using another piece and then rotating or do you mean cleaning and reinstalling it? I mean brand new parts. So you should be... How often? Yeah, so this is, I know. See, I know I'm going to get you on this too. So if you're pumping every single, like so every single day and you're probably doing about six or eight times, you should probably be changing your flange every two weeks. As in, do you call the flange the shield? No, sorry. So that is like the, um, there's, so the shield is the, sorry, there's two flanges. That's the nipple flange. But then once you connect the bottle and you open up the part that connecting the bottle and the nipple flange, inside there, there's like a valve. We'll call it the valve. It's probably better than the valve, actually. Like a piece of, mine was like a piece of flappy rubber. It's like a membrane. Yes, that. You should be changing that every two weeks. And with cleaning, Why? because it just, you're using and wearing it so much, right? So they say you should be changing Shut it every up. two weeks. Yeah. And moms don't change it for years. <laughs> they go from baby to baby and never change it. But you what? should, especially if you're noticing an issue with your milk supply. I did. Like, uh-huh. So you should probably change pumping parts. You should have broken I mean, luckily, everything. Not luckily. My pump actually broke so many times. I had my whole pump replaced like five times. Oh so I would have been getting at least some new parts, parts in, yes, that, definitely. in that process. Yeah. But I did not know it had to be every two weeks. Yeah. That is, mm-hmm. that's quite costly. Yes, <laughs> yes. But just the oh. valve part, the tubing you have to change for, I think it's every six months. The tubing's every six months. Unless you get water or milk in it, then you need to change it because you can effectively clean that or dry that out 100%. Unless you use a blow dryer, but I wouldn't trust it still because any type of mold is bad for a preemie baby. And that's really important to know. Like you need to be keeping things as clean as you can. So clean after every single pump. So that's just hot water and soap and sterilize once a day. So sometimes what I tell moms is the best thing to be doing 
is to put everything in the dishwasher at nighttime. So then you can go to bed nice and early because sterilizing takes time. So at least you put it in the dishwasher, start it. That's a clean, right? So then when you wake up in the morning, you can pump again and sterilize in the afternoon when you have a bit more energy and you're more awake. So that's what I always suggest to families. I definitely in. did not do that. <laughs> I, I, put, I was putting mine in the fridge though. Oh, uh, yes. Pump. See, that's a huge thing going on right now. And I get it because it saves so much time. But for a preemie baby, yes, you really have to be me. careful. Yes. Like I always say, just clean it and wash it because any milk left can build, can grow bacteria. And bacteria is not what you want a preemie baby. A baby getting a preemie baby getting bacteria and getting sick yes. is twenty times worse than any person getting sick. And what would be the type of sick? So, like, there were some times when I definitely pushed the limits with my son, but he never got sick ever. Like, he never vomited. Is that the type of sick that we're talking about? Uh, no. So, babies with bacteria, so they can get like um, bronchitis from it. They can get staph and that. There's so many things that they can get. From oh, it. he never got anything like that. So he <laughs> yeah. must have been okay. <laughs> but he was a term baby too, so he had a little he bit was. more. When babies have a little bit more weight on them and they're a little yeah. bit more developed, they're a little bit. They're a little bit more. I don't know, they can be roughed around a bit. Robust. <laughs> yes. Where a primary baby is a little delicate. bit. Yes. They're so, they're like a feather. They're so delicate. Okay. Wow. Cause I did like a recent podcast. I don't know if you saw just a solo episode all about my pumping top tips. And I'm like, shoot, I should have included something. <laughs> no, that's okay. My there, moms but... don't know this though. Like that's the thing. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. So, wow. so different. And, okay. and so, yeah, I guess like pumping is where. As a breastfeeding mama, you have to start. But do know, like, when you're tube feeding, you can still offer, like, a little syringe with your colostrum on it with the dummy so they can take that and learn their suck, swallow, breathe coordination because that's what we really, really have to work on. And it's so important to work on that because as your baby learns how to suck, swallow, breathe, they get stronger and better at it, and then they can go on to breastfeeding. So now usually, sometimes you might find 32 weeks, a baby may go to the breast just to lick and play, smell it, do those types of things. But then like that 34 mark, they might have a little go, but still lick and play. But 36 weeks, that suck, swallow, breathe coordination has become more cemented. And you can find then you can really get onto breastfeeding and try it. But I always say this with parents with a crummy baby, no matter whether you're breastfeeding or they're two feeding and they're not tolerating feeds, with a preemie baby, it's one step forward and two steps back. It is a long journey and it's tiny steps because they're tiny babies, but it's still a few steps back. So it's just remembering to take your time, be patient, be calm, and know that it's not going to happen like the snap of your fingers. It's going to take work and you will get there. I can promise you that. There's so many moms that I have helped from a 24 week older to get latching and go home breastfeeding. So there is. You will get there. It just takes time. It's really important to know that. And don't be hard on yourself about it. Like if your baby just licks and just like kind of plays with the nipple, I am so excited about that. When I see that, I'm like, yes, we have made massive progress. Like they can smell it. They know it comes from there and they are learning. And that's all you need and want at the beginning. So baby steps, just remember baby steps and might be a few steps backwards every now and then. Wow. So true. And isn't that just an example of all motherhood? Like you <laughs> yes. feel like you've you feel like you've kind of figured something out, and then something else <laughs> happens. And like even bottle feeding um, has its challenges, and yeah. we had so many challenges with bottle feeding <laughs> because of Hunter's cleft. Like he actually developed a mouth ulcer in the oh. in the in the crack of his like his cleft, oh, which boy. then actually stopped him wanting to feed at all with the bottle, and it was basically the constant rubbing. I, I feel like it was kind of like carpet burn, oh. um, and that felt like we were 10,000 steps back. Weight yeah. loss, they wanted us to go back into like have him on a feeding tube. They, they wanted us to have feeding tube at home. Like it was hell, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we got through it, and it was like it never happened, and he was flying high. Then he got his surgery, stopped taking air. The bottle was better, like everything just moved forward Got very better quickly. And, better, yeah. uh, and that's what you find too. Like once these little ones get strong enough and have the strength and, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Mom brain. Um, the um, endurance, endurance to feed and do a feed. It just gets better and better and better and better. Like it's honestly, it's just like, they just take off. Like you said, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, and what's it like when, um, 
mum and baby are at that point, whatever age, weeks that might be, you said around 36 weeks, they're starting to get that sucking motion and swallowing motion yep. better. Are you there with mum to be there for that full initiation into breastfeeding before she goes home so she feels really comfortable oh, with it? Oh, yeah. 100%. Like in the NICU, it's so funny because in the NICU, you get prepared for everything. We teach you how to bath, how to burp, how to swaddle. We teach about sleeping. We teach you tricks. Like you are more prepared in the NICU than you are of a mom just having a baby on the birth unit and going home the next day. Like it's a completely different level. And like, now, sorry, going back to like, some babies can jump on the boob at 34 weeks. I've seen it happen. Now, every baby is different. It doesn't matter if you have twins, triplets, every single baby is different and goes at their own pace. So some babies may do it earlier. Some babies may do it later. 36 is a good ballpark. But with that being said, when a mom starts to breastfeed in the unit, some of our nurses are qualified to do it. Or some of them are like, look, Courtney or either our other lactation consultants, because our unit, we actually had quite a few lactation consultants. A lot of us loved it. And there's, you could just go over and ask one of them to come over and they would come over and help with that first few feeds. And like for me personally, I'd always go back and check on them, make sure things were going okay, feeds were going okay. But a mom does not go home unless a baby is all breastfed or bottle fed or mixed. So a baby will never go home unless they've had that proper education and are fully equipped with everything to go home. I just feel like every mom should have that experience. Oh. I know we don't have the staff for it or the facilities, and it's oh. a very high turnover. They like to get you out of there pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And I understand for some people they want to be at home. They want to be like the hospital can be really sterile. Yes. But I just think about back in the day when you would actually stay in hospital for up to two to three weeks. Oh, yeah. And the all sister would actually care for you and your baby feed you you would basically on bed rest you were served man like re we obviously financially probably can't do that even <laughs> no. in our very affluent countries but I totally get that we were in hospital for five to six days we had hearing tests we made sure that we could use the bottle we had people checking in on us the one thing I wish that I did in NICU that I would have gone back in hindsight and told my past self was it's free babysitting you got a long road ahead just don't <laughs> feel guilty about your baby being down there like I would get up every three hours and take my fresh colostrum down and I didn't need to it hadn't even finished the colostrum from before mm -hmm. but there was like this over need to constantly he was always asleep every time I get there <laughs> so I could have just stayed asleep mm -hmm. and got some rest or gone back to sleep and that's what I wish that I told myself because there's people down there looking after your baby and like they actually, you guys hold the babies, you rock the baby, oh you soothe the baby. Like I cuddle so babies much. all the time. Like I loved it. Like I even said to my husband, I'm like, I don't want just a few kids. I want a lot of kids because I love it. And in the NICU, I got that because literally like some of us nurses are literally holding babies all night. Like we literally go from baby to baby, baby's upset or a baby, you know, we, I cuddle those things like no tomorrow because we love them. They're so sweet and they need that. I'm a huge believer in babies need that touch and that love and they need that warmth. Like they've just gone from womb to world. And it's so important that we really help with that. And yeah, I'm a huge believer in cuddling. And like you said, as a society, we really let down our new moms. Like we let down moms so much and it really oh, it drives me nuts to be honest because we prepare for the birth yes great but that's one day maybe a day and a half and you've given birth but what about after birth the breastfeeding the sleep and there's nothing on that we're in the NICU you get prepared for all of that you get taught all of that in there and new moms do deserve that teaching as well and this is why I always say to parents take those classes before you have baby to be prepared before you get into trouble and then ask for help because you're I, like, I always get calls as a lactation consultant and sleep consultant, of course, when parents are into trouble, but what if they didn't get into trouble and they called me, they had done a course beforehand or they're prepared like a Nikki mom and didn't run into issues, you know, like, ah, oh, we just let down families so much as a society, so much. We just, parents deserve more education before they have a baby more education and community support. Let's be honest. <laughs>
which is why you are creating your programs so yes. women can access things while they're pregnant and to have that on their radar preparing. So tell us a little bit about that while you're on the topic. Yeah, so I am literally creating uh, three online programs. So I'm ta- teaching you everything you need to know about the baby. I even go into starting solids, traveling with a baby, but I really focus in on like how a mom's body changes when she gives birth. And what to expect in the hospital and at home for the first seven days, because that's a huge shock to a lot of parents, like a massive shock. And then I also talk about like burping, bathing, all those little things too, tummy time. And then I do, um, I have a breastfeeding program as well, where you learn everything from antenatally expressing to getting the right latch in every single different position possible. <laughs> and then also like, what if you run into issues? How do you fix them? I have all that there going back to work, pumping and mixed feeding. I think it's so important to teach families, even in my baby essentials class, I teach parents how to make formula properly because they don't know how. Like we should be teaching that because that's so important for not getting the right amount of calories and how to bottle feed properly. There's so many things and sterilize and clean things. This is information that you need to know. So I teach that in my baby essentials and in my breastfeeding because I think a lot of families can mix feed and have a great breastfeeding journey that way. And then I have my sleep program. So my sleep program covers from zero to 12 months and I throw in some extra goodies for up to two years. And it just helps you get prepared and have everything that you need at your fingertips. Like it's an app. So all my programs will be through my app and you can watch it anytime you need. 24 seven, I've broken everything down. So, oh my gosh, I think I have a plug duct. Okay, here's my chat room plug duct, watch this. Or, you know, oh my goodness, my baby will not burp. Okay, watch how to burp the baby. It gives you everything at your fingertips. It's like having me in your back pocket 24-7, literally. (laughs) And that's what parents need. Like, they need that support. And then I have the community Facebook group that will be coming to where you can come in. I will be doing questions once a week or live once a week and answering questions in there. And it's just so much more. Moms answering questions for each other through the program. Like, I just feel like we just don't have that anymore and moms need this dads need this families need this everybody needs this absolutely and it's just incredible because the at the end of the day you sleep at night time and you can't be called in the middle of the night you're not an emergency service <laughs> when something goes wrong but moms can be up late in the middle of the night oh, yeah. trying to settle trying to feed like mm-hmm. Gosh, the hardest thing when you're mum for the first time is the whole burping, wind, stuck, colic, <laughs> reflux that takes place. And if you could just remove that whole thing, I feel like you take away one of the hardest part of parenting. Oh, yeah. Because that feels like it goes on forever and ever and ever. And I've got like a mum texting me the other day. She's like, she's just not settling. And I'm like, honestly, you just got to try a few different things. And it might be singing. I hear people stick their kids out on the balcony for white noise. It could be walking in the carrier it could be wrong like there's so many things so many you get so overwhelmed at the options that then you can sometimes not do anything or you just sit there and like the first thing I said to my mom was can he die from crying so much (laughs) my mom's like no then we wouldn't have humanity literally everyone would be dead because you literally think about this stuff oh yeah hope you guys are enjoying this episode with Courtney. Isn't she just beautiful? She's got such a heart for mamas. She cares so much about mums having a beautiful supported community and going on this journey and feeling empowered at any moment in the day, whether it's 2am accessing her courses or watching her content on Instagram or just feeling empowered when they're pregnant, ready for that initiation into motherhood on their breastfeeding journey. So I'm really, really hoping this is taking root in your life. Now, I'm really excited. We have an incredible class coming up in my Wellness Hub community. So it'll be on the 15th of July at 8 p.m. It is an immunity wellness boosting winter wellness class. So this is going to be all the things. One thing we're particularly talking about is black seed oil. And I'm really, really excited about that because this is going to be a really great opportunity. Learn a little bit more about great supplements with a dietitian to take during winter. Keep you mama above the wellness line. Some great different companies that produce fantastic supplements. And just a little bit more about your immunity and your wellness. And I don't know what 
better time of the month and season and year with everything going on. We could be focusing our energy on what we can control, which is what we put in our body. And if you're lactating, there'll be support through that as well. If you're postpartum, all of these different areas of our motherhood journey is so important to focus on our nutritionals. So please join us. Jump over to my Instagram at bellinbeyond underscore to get the Zoom link for that and be invited as well as you can email me with my email in the show notes. And yeah, I can't wait for you to be there. I think it's going to be a really empowering call for us on our motherhood journey. How empowering that you've created all of this for mums. And I mean, I really want to know more about breastfeeding. I've never really done it. The fact that I did my journey so backwards actually creates a bit of anxiety for me because I'm like, I've had this lifestyle routine where I pump, I use a bottle, my husband's doing a lot of the feeds, I can leave the house and do things because he's feeding, other people can feed. Like I've had a very different initiation into motherhood. So then to kind of, for me, kind of pedal back and then have to relearn latching, breastfeeding, like all of these different things, feeling that cow, you know, ness that mum's yeah. going about like I didn't fully feel that necessarily with the pump I felt like I had quite a lot of control and structure which yeah. that's not what breastfeeding's like no nope. so <laughs> I would also love you to like shed some kind of wisdom on what it really is like for the first latch mm. and it's not this perfect romantic <laughs> story no. that we may see with mums breastfeeding in the park or at cafes and we think it's going to be awesome and easy. And I think that kind of misconception in itself is actually what destroys women's confidence. If you just know from the start it could be hard, you just go in there thinking this could be hard, this could be complicated, but I'm ready for it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It's funny because that's literally the first section in my breastfeeding program is what breastfeeding is actually like because I'll be honest, I'm a lactation consultant and I still had issues. Like I had bad births, but I was on antibiotics, which led to thrush. And then my thrush led to mastitis. And I, it was horrible. I had an oversupply. I had all of it. You name it, I had it. So breastfeeding is not easy. It's not easy. It's so hard, but it's not just hard physically, mentally, and emotionally. It is next level it's probably one of the hardest things that I was trialed at as a mother and I think most moms can attest to that because birth it's just one go (laughs) you know like you have that horrible pain for 24 hours maybe but that's it and then it's breastfeeding and breastfeeding is like and this is the hard part because breastfed babies especially in the beginning want to feed every hour and a half to two hours and sometimes they want to cluster feed, especially in that witching hour in that early evening times between like that four to eight, not feeling great. They want to cluster feed and they just want to go on the boob and never come off. And then naturally, as the baby grows and gets bigger and stronger, they also want to do the same thing. So during leaps and growth spurts, they just want to be on the boob constantly and they're demanding it every two hours. And you're like, oh my gosh, will this ever end? Because it is a hard journey and it's not easy. There's lots of ups and downs. It's literally like your contractions. They come and they go. Breastfeeding, it's easy and it's hard. It's easy and it's hard. It is so similar to contractions. That's the best thing I can point it to. And with the first latch, I think this can be the hardest because if you haven't prepared yourself and know how to hold the baby correctly, and how to get the baby on and what position to use. And it can really lead to a lot of issues because then if you're not getting the right latch and especially the first latch, then you're getting yourself into issues where you could be getting sore, cracked, damaged nipples because you're not getting the correct latch. So I always say with the first latch, I have a little rhyme actually that I'm gonna teach everybody. I teach it in my programs, but I always say bum in, chest to chest, chin to breast and top lip to nip (laughs) so that's my little rhyme (laughs) so bum in chest to chest chin to breast and top lip to nip 
<laughs> so I know it's hilarious, but you'll always remember. Honestly, like I have moms call me back a few days later when I check on them. And they're like, oh my gosh, that rhyme worked so well. And it does because it literally like... As you work through, you're like, okay, I've got to squeeze the bum in, make sure their chest is lined up with my chest, and then I need to put the chin into the breast first, and then aim the nipple for the top lip or the roof of the mouth so they can feel it. So it all makes sense because when you're trying to get the first latch, you don't just put baby's mouth straight onto it. The baby needs to feel it at the roof of their mouth to know the nipples in their mouth. So if you're putting the baby straight onto the breast, they can't feel the nipples, and then they go, they like, <laughs> they kind of become like these little savages, like they're just like, ah, and their head's like searching everywhere for it, like bobbing around. So this is why it's so important to aim the nipple into the roof of the mouth. And by putting the chin into the breast, you're creating a nice big open mouth full. Because it's not breast, it's not nipple feeding, it's breastfeeding. So they need some of that areola as well too. So this is where like the first latch, it is really all about your positioning. And now first latch is usually happening sometimes while you're passing the placenta. <laughs> so you've kind of got so many things going on at one time. But the good thing about getting the right first latch is it sets you up as well. And if you don't get it right the first time, you can try again within the next few hours. The nice thing about a fresh baby is the first day that they are born, they are still flying out, I like to call it. So they may not feed every two hours just yet. They may go three hours for you. But the next day, they wake up with a vengeance and they find their voice. And they are like, okay, I am wanting to feed now. Give it to me. And I want it every hour and a half, two hours. And that's from the time you start. Not from the time you finish. From the time you start. And so with getting the first latch and breastfeeding as a whole, we do romanticize it. I completely agree with you. We make it look so easy. You just whip your boob out and you just give it to the baby. <laughs> that's it. That's all you do. Well, no, there's so much more to it. Like, has your baby's mouth been assessed? Is Are you getting the right latch? Are you draining the milk? If you're not draining the milk, you can get into issues. And I cannot stress enough, like, I know it's going to be hard, but all I want you to do is when you are struggling, pause. Take a breath. Calm yourself. Because if you're more anxious, your baby will pick up on that. Babies pick up on everything. I can, as soon as a baby and a mom, I go to a house and I can tell instantly what kind of mom that that mom is due to their baby. Because a baby picks up on our anxiety. They pick up on when we're really stressed. They're like, okay, okay, this is going to be really hard and difficult. So I just want you to sit there. I want you to get nice and comfy. And I teach this on the NICU too. We make sure mom is in the comfiest position possible because if you're leaning forward, you're going to get a sore back. Nobody needs a sore back as a mom. So you need to be comfortable. Set up your pillow so that your baby will be right at breast height at the nipple height. Get comfy. Have your water bottle beside you. And of course your phone because I know moms always want to scroll on their phone. But you're going to be thirsty whenever you're breastfeeding too. So have those key essential items with you at all times when you're breastfeeding. And then sit there. Watch them. Get them on. Take those deep breaths and remember that rhyme, bum in, chest to chest, chin to breast, top lip to nip. And this is not just for like a breastfeeding mom who's had a term baby, but a preemie baby, like it's ups and downs. So be kind to yourself. Know that it's not going to be easy and know that your nipples can hurt for weeks. Even though you're getting the right latch, they can hurt for weeks. It does get better and it should only hurt for the initial part of a feed, not the whole feed. So I think that is probably what I would say the most about the first latch and breastfeeding as a whole and how we just think like, oh yeah, breastfeeding is so easy. Baby gets on and we just snooze sail, you know, we're riding a bicycle and we never fall off of it. Well, no, you're going to fall because you're learning. You got to take off those training wheels and it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Wow. So profound and so amazing, but also so hopeful because the mums that you are seeing where they do just pop the baby on, it's because they've been practicing potentially five months, six months, second mm -hmm. baby, third baby. And that does show you that it does actually get better and you can just be breastfeeding and not even think about it. And it goes into autopilot. And like, I've heard from mums like the first, you know, three to six months really hard. But after that, I like loved breastfeeding so much. Like I didn't ever want it to end. Like it was so that's when the romantic connection intimacy part really kicked in and they're like, I'm so glad I pushed through because mm -hmm. I'm loving this so much. Yeah. Um, so I think that road, that hope, you endure it for 12 months, two years, right? Yes. And like, that's another thing too that you just mentioned. 
those moms that are breastfeeding in the park probably have a three-month-old or a five-month-old. It's probably not a newborn. And those yes. moms probably were at home crying just like we were when we were first <laughs> getting those latches right and first breastfeeding and up every two hours at nighttime. We were doing the same thing. So everyone has always has been where you are and never feel alone. And that's why like, I have this community of incredible moms because it shows other moms that they're not alone, which is a huge thing. We all go through the same ups and downs when we're breastfeeding. Some may be a little bit harder, some may be a little bit easier, but we still have the same ups and downs. Wow. And can you shed a little bit about the key things like medically, physically, I know there's such things like inverted nipples, there's tongue ties, there's lots of actual realistic things that can halt our breastfeeding journey. But I often think there's not enough education around that. And I've heard so many stories of babies that have lost lots of weight and they just didn't know what was wrong. And then they figured out like four months later after going on this hell ride, oh, your baby has a tongue tie, Mm -hmm. you know, like really silly things like that. And we know you can fix tongue ties really easy you know, we've got amazing, amazing so technology and, mm-hmm. and it's actually not that big a deal. It's just identifying it is the real issue. And most moms just think there's something wrong with them. Yes. Um, so what are some of the very clear indicators when it's going beyond not just having latching issues? There's actually something you need to seek help for. So if baby is coming, slipping off the breast while they're breastfeeding, they're not able to maintain their latch. So there's probably something going on there. If they're really, if they're clicking, when they're like, they're loud eaters, like while they're eating, there also could be something going on. So there's a few things that you can look at, but I think the biggest thing is that yes, weight gain is a huge thing to look at, but I want you to also look at your baby's output. How many times are they peeing a day? That is also a huge indicator whether they are getting enough. After day five, a baby should be having five to six wet, heavy nappies a day. That's how you're going to know that your baby's getting enough milk. Because like I said before, your breasts don't tell you how much baby got. So that's really important to be looking at that. And also to like how happy and content your baby is. Are they sleeping after a feed or are they still miserable? Or, you know, like if they're happy and content and they've got five to six heavy nappies and they're gaining weight. And usually for weight, we like to see 150 grams a week on average. So that's on average. That's not every single week. Some weeks, babies may gain 300 grams and then the next week only gain 90. But again, average that out. So that is the big things you need to look at. But with a tongue tie and a lip tie, these are things that can be easily assessed. And to be honest with you, if you think your baby has a tongue or lip tie, I recommend going to people who are well very knowledgeable in that area. So sometimes, unfortunately, our GPs aren't knowledgeable in this area. And I hate to say that, but unfortunately, like our GPs, a lot of our doctors don't get breastfeeding education at all. So like for me to take on breastfeeding, like I had to do so many extra hours. It was like over 90 hours of coursework. And then I think it was over a thousand hours of actual hands-on work. So like we have to practice so much where a lot of medical doctors don't get that. So if you think your baby may have a tongue or lip tie, the best way to look for this is look at their tongue and lift it up. If you have a little like, it looks like a, a dew thingy. It's like a little friendly, it's called a frenulum, but it's a little thing that kind of like hangs there and attaches, it anchors your tongue to the bottom of your mouth. Yes. If your baby can't stick their tongue out or it looks like an indent in the middle of the tongue, like it makes a little heart, they probably are tongue tied, especially if they're clicking while they're eating. That's another big sign as well. And with a lip tie, sometimes a lip tie, they can't flange open their mouth. So by flat, you want your baby to have a big O when they're breastfeeding around the breast. Yes, and have their lips really pushed up and an O. But with babies that have lip ties, they can't do that. Their lip hole is anchored to the top part of their gums. So they can't oh. move it. Yeah, so they can't move it well enough. So those are definitely ways to look at a tongue and lip tie. And actually, in my programs... I show you exactly what a lip tie looks like and a tongue tie. I have pictures and little videos to show you exactly what they look like. So, you know, because it's that's so important. It's so important because it can lead to a lot of issues, a lot of issues. It can decrease your milk supply, so many things. So definitely knowing those things will really, really help. But also too, like it's sometimes moms get a lot of pain when they're breastfeeding and a lot of doctors don't know, okay, well, did you get antibiotics after you gave birth? 
or that we always have breast pads on and breast pads are a breeding ground for bacteria which can lead to thrush if we have a sore and cracked damaged nipple and thrush is the most excruciating pain you can have while breastfeeding and when you're not as well you can get stabbing pain and a lot of doctors don't know these things and it's important to know that thrush can happen it doesn't just because you don't get antibiotics doesn't mean you won't get it you're not changing those breast pads frequently and you have cracked damaged nipples because you weren't getting the right latch at first you could get thrush which could be so painful that you don't want to breastfeed and you stop so there's so many more things besides a tongue tie and a lip tie to look for when you're breastfeeding. This is like where I think we need to really educate our mamas because, again, we let them down. We really do. Wow, that's huge. And I got mastitis early on. I think partially it was from stress, but I also think it was from um, milk leaking into my bra and not changing my bra often enough and it was sitting there probably growing bacteria but because I wasn't in that whole breastfeeding world I kind of just like lost sight of things yep. and ended up actually just not wearing bras at all and just not doing anything and then just changing my t-shirt free ball again almost yes. because it was started just like scratch. This, this started from scratch but you're right being in physical pain you can only endure that for so long oh. and pain affects our mental health yes. because we're not created to be in pain for an extended period of time hence why doctor's main job is to take us out of pain so you're right all these little things and it could come back to something really simple that could have been fixed at the beginning to avoid that excruciating pain which then detoured us from our breastfeeding journey and then moms end up coming out of that whole scenario and they're just like what was wrong with me yeah like oh yeah you know so and that's not fair either no no like yeah yeah, we already get enough guilt and worry as a mother. Like there's no need to add to that at all, at all. So if there is mums that are just feeling anxiety around this whole process or mm-hmm. have had issues with baby number one and they're going into baby number two, you are definitely someone that they could contact. Do you do extra consultation one-on-one outside of your program? So eventually I will wean those. I only do so many a month just because... I, it's busy. I do get busy with them. So I eventually will start to not do as many, but I do do consultations. Yes, I do. And I think okay. you just made a really good point there about anxiety. I think so. I just wanted to touch on this really quickly. When things aren't going right, what can you do? And I think that's huge because when you're anxious and you're breastfeeding your baby and you're not enjoying it, you're not happy. And I'm a firm believer, I don't care if I'm a lactation consultant or not, that you need to be happy. If you're not happy, then you're not going to enjoy these precious new months with your brand new baby, which is so important. It's what we treasure and love and we're so excited about. And I want you to know that it's okay if things aren't going okay and that you're just not feeling like you can keep doing this. It's okay and you're not alone. This is why I teach how to bottle feed. This is why I teach how to pump. This is why how I teach how to make formula properly because you have options. You don't, it's not breastfeeding or nothing. You can breastfeed here and there and bottle feed. You can, your breastfeeding journey can look so many different ways. Everybody's breastfeeding journey is different. No, none is the same. So you can have your breastfeeding journey the way you want it. It can just be rotated, changed a little bit. And that's okay. Like I want moms to know that no matter what you're doing, you need to be happy. You're not happy. You're not going to enjoy it. And nobody wants to sit there breastfeeding a baby and just not loving it. You're just giving off negative energy. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. I don't want any mom suffering mentally, emotionally, or physically because of breastfeeding is too hard. I want you to know that you can do what's right for you in the family. That's right. And I think the most powerful thing about you, your programs, and what lactation consultants stand for is I just feel like they're creating space to present the options. Mm-hmm. And from that presentation, mums get to go away with their baby, their partner, and just make a choice. Mm-hmm. For me, there's nothing worse than being told what to do. I don't care how old you are or who it's by, <laughs> they're famous or they're the freaking prime minister. No one likes to be told what to do on their personal journey. And we know there's a lot of emotions and hormones attached with breastfeeding. It's heightened 
than most decision making. Yes. But just being, I just almost, I just get the picture like someone just sits down and presents all your option. And do you want to go with this mortgage loan or do you want to do it this way? Do you want to buy this type of house? Do you want to do this? Like in every other scenario of life, you we get, get a lot of options. Mm-hmm. What type of pram do you want to buy? There's f- freaking 50 different types <laughs> of prams. But for some reason, I don't know where this drive comes from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just fear that your baby's not going to get enough food and they're going to die. And that just I makes mum literally feel like I've got to <laughs> give my baby a bottle that they're going to die the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, cause babies can survive for a good amount of time without a, a meal. If they're just trying to, you're trying to figure things out. You know, I just think it's so nice to be presented with what's right. And, and we don't have to be black and white. Everything's gray for me mm-hmm. in life. Everything's circumstantial and it's personalized and it's unique. Mm-hmm. Like some mums, I know their babies through sleep through the whole night, which is power to you because you're getting a lot of sleep, but that can reduce the supply because they're not feeding through the night. And maybe they only get to feed twice in 24 hours and the rest of the bottle awesome you know like it doesn't yeah. have to be this all or nothing no. like you can it's a puzzle just stick it all mm-hmm. together how it works for you as long as you feel good like you said but I just feel like for mums listening like just don't ever let someone tell you the way they think you should do it mm-hmm. because that's where I feel like resentment and bitterness kicks in Hugely. so much more empowering to say I want to bottle feed yeah. because of a b and c yeah. than someone to come along and tell you Hey, your supply is not big enough. Your baby's losing weight. Your baby could get really sick. You should bottle feed. Yeah. Like no one wants yeah. that or no. vice versa. You should keep breastfeeding because it's so good for you. And the mom, I really don't want to, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Every mom should have a choice. They should have a choice. And this is where it's lactation consultant, especially in my beliefs. It's okay. You know what? You want to bottle feed? Let me show you how to do a bottle. Let's show you the right way to bottle feed because there is a correct way to bottle feed and not bottle feed. Let's talk about bottles. Let's talk about teats. You know, those are important things. Those are really important things, which I cover because, again, it's so important. Yeah, bottles are really annoying. You have to clean them every night. You have to make <laughs> sure you're sterilizing properly. You have to make sure you have them packed every time you leave the house. You have to make sure you boil your water before you leave the house. You have to make sure you've got your powder ready. You can only have the bottle for so long once they've got bacteria mm-hmm. and then you have to get a new bottle. Like, it's got a different set of complications. Oh, yes. And if you forget the bottle, then you're like, crap, we got to go buy another one. We've got to get like formula, which costs 50 bucks because we left the formula at home. We didn't know we we're going to be out this long. Yep. Like you can't just get this warm temperature liquid mm-hmm. free from your breast 24-7. And you have to literally provide that. Yeah. And like it doesn't matter whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding. It's still hard. Like, like you just said, <laughs> bottle feeding has so many issues. Breastfeeding has so many issues. Like no matter what kind of feeding you're giving your baby, Every mom struggles. We all struggle. And like, I think what's the point in talking about, oh, breast is better than bottle, bottle is better than breast. But mom's happy. Who cares? If that baby is thriving, who cares? Yeah, totally. And you know, that just made me think of yeah. nothing changes. Then we're still struggling to cook dinner for the Oh next my goodness. Days. Then you're coming up with, you're trying to figure out like, okay, I need to three, do three meals and two snacks. What am I going to feed my kids? Like, it never ends. It honestly doesn't. <laughs> I literally was, um, we're obviously staying in this house at the moment and Hunter's like not got a proper high chair. He's just got one of those bombos on the ground, right? Yeah. So he's learning to go and sit down in his bombo and he's actually telling us now, like, I'm hungry. I want my snack because he can go and sit in his seat mm-hmm. and yell at us mm-hmm. where, you know, he can't climb into a high chair, obviously. And I said to James, like, it's Groundhog Day. I just cleaned the chair and the apron. I'm doing this all over again. I'm like, and now we've got snacks because he's I'm like, I do this five times a day. Oh, yeah. Like, this is wild. Like, sometimes I, I sometimes it can even be six because I always recommend giving a little snack before bedtime just to make sure they're nice and full, like a banana or some yogurt or something. And like, it's six, that's six, six meals a day. Like, I want to hear that advice. I'm not into that. And you have I'm a not- boy. Your boy, oh my goodness, boys are next level, next level. Like my boys, seriously, they eat me out of house and home already and they're three and one. Like my one-year-old can have two bowls of oatmeal with breakfast and I put chia seeds in it and fruit. Two bowls. Maybe I should up Hunter's food. I've been giving him a piece of fruit and two eggs and then sometimes he'll want more. Oh, I would definitely up that. My boy. What else would I give him? Do you do oatmeal? He got over it for a while. I should try it again. Try oatmeal again. Muffins, toast. Uh... No, doesn't like toast. Hates tough, chewy textures because of his cleft. Doesn't like uh, scratchy. He wants light things. 
like fluffy things. He wants moist things. Yeah. What about muffins? Yeah, look, he's starting to get back into that sort of stuff now. What about um, pancakes? My boys love these pancakes. Two eggs, banana, half a cup of oats. They're so juicy. They're so moist. And, like, they'll have, like, five of them. Yeah, and they'd actually be really good snacks too. Yeah, like oh my goodness, the, yes. And then you I can make them. That. Yeah, you can do savory ones too, like sweet potato mm-hmm. in there or, you know, like so easy. Yeah, I was doing all of that. He went through this weird little, he's growing seven teeth. So oh. he kind of was like, I only want to eat banana, avocado and eggs. And that's all he ate for literally like two weeks. I was like, oh my gosh. And then now he's flipped and now he's like screaming at me for food. It's like he's come out of hibernation and he's like, <laughs> Ravenous, and I'm that's why we've upped it to like five times a day. And then he's still pulling. He was so cheeky the other day, he literally saw me put a cake from the cafe into the bottom of the pram and he walked over and started eating the cake on the ground. And I looked at James, I was like, What has happened to our child? Mm-hmm. He's a beast. Oh, yes, honestly, like they never stop. But I always find protein fills my boys up more too. So, like, eggs are really yeah. good, like you said, but I, um, uh, little sausages, so or pa- chicken patties, I call them. I just use chicken mints and I put a little bit of onion in it, salt, pepper, a little bit of cumin, and I make little patties out of them. Yeah, he had meatballs for dinner last yeah. night. I loved that. Try giving Love like that, that for breakfast too, because that will help. Okay, that's a really good point. Well, <laughs> we got totally on that off topic. <laughs> on that note, thank you so much for just sharing everything about your decade of being a NICU nurse and what it's really like and all the love and support that you bring to the NICU community still with your foot in the door even now while you're building a business and being a mom. I don't know how you do it all. It's like you go from scrubs to business owner to mom to wife. Like it's wild. Um, (laughs) It's incredible. And you're doing an amazing job and it's all with the intention to see a woman thriving and you just yes. want to place dignity and care and honor on a woman because she is a human being yes. and she's doing her absolute best. So thank you. Hats off to you thank for you. being a significant shift in today's society. Definitely be doing this again. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Bell and Beyond. Mama, I know you're so busy and your time is precious. So I hope today's episode has left you feeling more empowered around your choices and that your voice matters. If you have loved this week's episode, make sure you subscribe and get all the weekly updates. It would also be so awesome if you could leave a five-star review for this independently run podcast produced by this mama herself. And if you've had all the feels today and a mum's popped into your mind, jump over, send her a DM or share it on your stories. That would be the absolute best. If you have any questions at all, connect with me over on my Instagram at bellyandbeyond underscore and let's write or rewrite your story of motherhood together.